Before we get started on this week's podcast episode, I just want to tell you about my free Facebook community called Female Biohacker, where I go live every single week and talk about different biohacking topics and how you can really upgrade the health of your mind, body and spirit. Recent topics have been how to biohack your menstrual cycle. I recently did one this week on red light therapy and how to use it. And then some weeks we'll have a Q&A call with someone will come into the hot seat or in fact a few people for a bit of free coaching. And that's live with me every single week in the Female Biohacker Facebook community and also on Zoom. So if you want to join, it's completely free to join us. It's a lovely community of supportive women. You just need to head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash female biohacker or just go onto Facebook and search for female biohacker and you'll find it there. Also, just a quick reminder that here on High Performance Health, we do a giveaway every single week to be in with a chance of winning one of my favorite biohacking toys, supplements or books. All you need to do is take a screenshot of you listening to this episode and tag me on Instagram stories at Angela S. Foster. And if you want to share your biggest takeaway from this episode, that's all you need to do. We announce the winners every single week on the following Monday. So check back on Instagram to see if you have been the lucky winner of one of my favorite biohacks we put so much pressure on ourselves to do all of the things when actually if we take a step back and look at what would actually get me a result this week this would okay let me just do this one thing but we just don't approach it like that welcome to the high performance health podcast with your host angela foster the show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind body and lifestyle Hi friends, it's Angela Foster here and I'm so excited to share with you today's episode which is all about success. I really believe that success is an inside job, whether that's in business, our relationships or any feat or endeavour that we set our minds to. And sometimes one of the hardest things is actually deciding on what we want, on fixing on that one thing and truly following our heart. But even when we do that, we so often procrastinate. And why is that? And sometimes we just, we end up with so many different choices. We don't quite know what to do. And then we hit overwhelm. And then there's a situation for many people when they're experiencing so much success, but they then throw children into the mix and our priorities change and it becomes a new kind of curveball challenge to deal with. And you have to really work out how to align yourself energetically. Now, mindset is key. And you've probably heard that a thousand times or more. But what does it really take to have an empowering mindset? Well, you're about to find out. In this week's podcast, I chat to my own business coach, the totally awesome Carrie Green. Carrie is the founder of the Female Entrepreneur Association. She's author of the best-selling book, She Means Business. She is a lover of praline, rom-coms, and a healthy dose of woo. And she's been on this wild entrepreneurial journey for over 10 years. And as she says herself, it hasn't always been fun, purposeful, or fulfilling. It's been full of ups and downs, and her mindset is really what has carried her through. And she created FEA back in 2011 after dreaming about it for years. And she now helps thousands of female entrepreneurs create the business and life that they've always wanted. And her mission is to inspire you and give you the tools you need to create the future that we both know is possible and to help you turn your brilliant ideas into reality. And I'm so delighted to introduce you to Carrie today. 
So I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Carrie Green. She is the author of the best-selling book, She Means Business. She's the founder of the Female Entrepreneur Association. She's also my um, personal business coach. And I'm just absolutely delighted to have you here today, Carrie. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat. I've got so many questions and I guess one of the best places to start, I think, because I really want to kind of dive into mindset and how you create the ideal mindset for success, Um, because it applies, doesn't it, in so many areas of life. It's not just in business. It's also in people who are really trying to reach their health goals as well. They actually really need to be able to visualize where they want to get to before they can actually do that. Yeah. So if we just dive a little bit back in terms of your story and where you started, um, because I know one of the things that you had growing up from what I've read about you was your dad was very big on mindset and from quite a young age. Um, Can you share a little bit more about that and what it was kind of like growing up with him? Yeah. Um, So, yes, growing up, my dad is really into personal development, which at the time in the UK was really unheard of. Um, So he... One of the first things is um, I remember is when I was about nine or 10, he sent me and my brothers and sister on this course to learn about the power of the mind. And on this course, we learned about the F word, which was fantastic. <laughs> um, we learned about goal setting. We learned about energy, putting ourselves in a bell jar energetically to protect ourselves. Um, we did this visualization, which was called the house on the right bank. And it was where you essentially closed your eyes and you visualized this house in your mind. And this house had different rooms inside of it. So it had this editing suite where you could go in and you could create a movie of your future life and what you wanted to make happen. And there was like the shower room where you could imagine all of the negative energy draining away and all this positive energy, like coming down on, on you, like soaking in. Um, and it was really cool as a kid to kind of learn about this. And we got this little cassette tape that we could take home to start guided visualizations on as we fell to sleep at night, which was really cool. And my dad would like reiterate the stuff that we learned and he would always go around the house being like, I'm fantastic. He always put on this American accent. I don't even know why. But um, <laughs> Did you kind of cringe at that bit? <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He was always, but the thing is as well is that he was always um, quoting like Jim Rohn and all these people. And so he would go around like Jim Rohn would say this thing. He would go, you messed up. And like my dad would just go around like saying like these Jim Rohn quotes. And I remember being really young and him sitting me down in front of the TV to watch Jim Rohn on this videotape. And I was like, who is this old man? And why are you getting me to watch it? And I, at the time I just didn't get it. Um, and like as a teenager, he would get us to, he would buy his books. Like he bought us um, uh, like the um, like cosmic ordering books, um, Stephen Covey, his son, Sean Covey, he wrote a book, Seven, Hab- Highly, Hab- Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teenagers. Um, he bought us like all those types of things and uh, the Rich Dad Poor Dad books. And I read some of them and was like, like soaking it in on, on a level. And one of the other things he would always say is decide what you want and write it down. And so as a teenager, I remember creating my first goal folder, which was, which I've still got to this day. And um, it's just got in there pictures of things I won. Um, I had a bottle of perfume in there of how I wanted my life to smell when I was successful. I took all my school grades and tipexed out all the crappy grades I had and changed it to like A's. <laughs> um, and it was really fun doing that. And um, you know, he always said anything's possible when you put your mind to it. And 
another one of the things that he would say is if I can do it then you can do it um and this idea that everything essentially you can learn how to do anything and if you put your mind to something and you apply effort then you can achieve amazing things and I remember like as a when I was eight years old I asked for a clarinet for my birthday and they bought me this clarinet and I couldn't play it and I got lessons and I practiced and my dad was like my champion for clarinet playing and there were times when I bloody hated that thing and wanted to throw it against the wall and smash it and I just didn't want to do it but he'd be there like encouraging me to to like persevere he helped instill this level of discipline in me of um and it was this realization because at school I didn't do very particularly well especially early on and I was always felt like I was the dumb kid always in the bottom classes and when I was learning to play the clarinet and him helping me through it it helped me to realize that if you do apply yourself and you focus and you practice and you learn that you can actually get really good at things and um you can you can yeah so for me like going from eight not being able to play the clarinet to seven years later playing Mozart's clarinet concerto it started to really build this foundation for myself of recognizing that like I actually can if I put my mind to something and I apply myself I can actually achieve amazing things um so it was just and he's also um really open-minded shall we say so he would um also get me books like I said cosmic ordering books Esther and Esther Hicks they have she had the ask and it is given um so all these books to help me to like I suppose really connect with myself and what I want you know manifesting you know visualizing the life I want all that kind of stuff and so um it's it definitely started to have an impact on me and especially at school towards the end of school, once this stuff started to really sink in, I started to realize I can apply myself and become amazing. And then I ended up doing really well and going and studying law and getting a really great law degree and starting a business and having this mindset that anything's possible and mm. I can do this. And um, even at do university- you back on it at all as a teenager? Like, so I just noticed with my own children, like those doubts seem to start to creep in sort of from sort of 10, 11. And when they go to secondary school and then they sort of compare to their peer group and then they're like, no, no, but you don't understand. I can't or, and, and they'll sort of push back a bit. Did you have that? And he was, he just always sort of encouraging. um, Oh my God, I push back so much. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like as a teenager, I like rebelled. I would push the limits. My poor mum, I could drive a, drive a crazy. Um, I mean, like I went, you know, as a teenager, I cut all my hair off, dyed it black. I'd like Did a you? spiky, spiky dog collar. Yeah. You would never have thought about it. No yeah. way. I can't imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I, um, I yeah pushed the boundaries like I mean my clarinet teachers my dad always used to feel really sorry for them because I would push them to the limit too like I was such a brat like I was just awful I just um uh what's the right word difficult it was really difficult and grumpy about stuff yeah testing (laughs) testing (laughs) um but nevertheless on some level obviously a lot of it did start to sink in and um um, and it's interesting because I remember when I was studying for a law degree, uh, a lot of the people there were, I would say, a lot more intelligent 
than I am. But what I found is that they had a different mindset. Whereas I'm like, I can do this. This is possible. I can like, I was looking at the opportunities and focusing on that. Whereas they were focused, they felt overwhelmed. They felt stressed. They felt it's like a really closed off mindset. And what was really interesting was when we got to the finals and like we got all got our degrees, I couldn't believe how much better I did than so many of the people that I looked at and thought were far more intelligent than I was. And I think they probably were far more naturally intelligent than I am, but I feel like I had a special power because I had found a way to get the most out of myself and they hadn't recognized how to get the most out of themselves because they were pulling themselves down so much. Whereas I was looking at like, how do I get the most out of myself and achieve what I want to achieve? So even at university in my final year, I was building a business. I was going to night school and studying for a law degree. And I went at it with the mindset that it felt doable and it didn't feel overwhelming and hard and challenging. I mean, sure, there might have been moments of that, but I wasn't drowning in it all because I'd figured out how to thrive, how to actually set myself up to welcome in success. And and so I think that probably came a lot from the things that my dad had been teaching me from such a young age. I mean, even having that mindset of anything is possible I can do whatever I put my mind to. If I apply myself, I can create success. That is a blooming game changer because Huge. if you start to live your life with that mantra, things be get, become, become easier, don't they? We, we've got less resistance to it. So, um, so yeah, so that has definitely set the stage, I think, for helping me to create the success and the life that I have. Really. And so when you were, um, so when you went from there, you'd done a law degree and then you launched your first business, which was during your university years, right? Which was very successful in its own right. This is before FEA. Yeah. This was a technology company. Well, well it sounds it because it was phone <laughs> unlocking, <laughs> but like I was just a reseller. So it was like, I was the reseller of this phone unlocking online software. And I was like, I don't know what phone unlocking is. I barely understand how a phone works, but sure, I'll do this idea because I'd run out of money. Um, so yeah, so my, for me, I had to figure out how do I sell this? And so like, I need a website. How do I get people to the website? How do I get people to buy from me? So those were the things I, I was figuring out um, as the reseller. So um, yeah, it was a great experience. <laughs> um, I, and I really quickly learned that bloody hell, you can make money online pretty easily I couldn't believe it like with a good idea and demand for a product or a service um and using Google AdWords which is what I used at the beginning literally like within a few days we were it was profitable because I had a credit card and a spending limit but then I was making more than what I was spending so I was like wow this is amazing so um yeah so that was <laughs> a good revelation <laughs> Yeah, that's quite handy, yeah. isn't it, by the time? So at that point, is that when you decided, actually, I'm not going to go into anything to do with law, I'm going to go down the entrepreneurial route? So when I graduated, I was like trying to figure out what to do. And I got my place on the LPC, which is the law practitioner's course. Um, but I, was, I wasn't I was sure whether to, to do that. And so fortunately, I managed to get some work experience in the in-house legal team at Warner Brothers in London. And I thought to myself, if this doesn't make me want to be a lawyer, I don't know what will. <laughs> So I went down and spent like three and a half weeks there and it was an amazing experience. But um, 
I felt suffocated. I felt like uh, I felt like someone had put a jar over me and was restricting what I couldn't couldn't do. And it just it just felt yeah suffocating. And I just knew at that point like this isn't the path for me. I need to go it alone. Even though going it alone felt really scary because it was so unknown. Um, but I just knew that that was the path that I had to take. So I dropped out. Why well, I gave up my position. My, my thing on the LPC and yeah just carried on with the business really um with the business that you had in terms of the reselling at that point yes yes okay and then you sold that company no I didn't sell it so I carried on building it and I just felt really lonely and I um I yeah I felt really lonely I started other businesses so um I started this business telecommunications business <laughs> this um yeah and um I so I started that business and then I tinkered around with the idea of creating a media company like all the ideas and I also had this idea to create a platform for female entrepreneurs too because I felt so lonely but that one felt like the scariest and I remember buying domain names setting up websites and then being like oh my gosh like I I just can't put this out there um and I've got distracted with like all these other little ideas being like, oh, well, I could do this and I could do that. And it took three years to get out of my own way and actually be like, actually, I'm going to go all in on building this, you know, doing, taking this idea forward. Um, so yeah, and sorry, I feel like the dog next door wants to join in on our conversation. I don't know if you can hear that dog barking. I can hear it mildly in the background. I wasn't sure if it was your, your no. own dog. <laughs> the next door neighbor's dog, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> But um, but yeah, it was quite the adventure to get to the point where that you know to get to where I am yeah. now. Um, yeah, yeah, for it, sure. And when yeah. you were so when you were making that decision, like um, obviously you felt suffocated by law. That experience at Warner Brothers, and I think I can definitely say from years of practicing law, it felt extremely suffocating, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it was super long hours. But when you kind of you felt quite lonely. And you were thinking about launching it and you said it took you about three years ultimately. Um, What do you think that procrastination was about? Is that, was that really a fear? Because I know that, you know, some people actually fear amazing success and actually achieving it. Other people are fearful that they might start it and it doesn't work. What do you think was the reason for you holding back? Because you'd already had some success, hadn't you? Like very good success in terms of what you were already doing. Um, I think one of the biggest things was not feel like feeling embarrassed because the first business was phone unlocking, but this was me putting my ideas out there, putting my thoughts out there. This was me putting myself on the line and that felt terrifying. It felt like, who am I to say this stuff? Who do I think I am to, to do this? That's how it felt. I thought it would be embarrassing. I felt people would think it was silly um so that was a huge thing and I think the other thing was just simply I didn't know like I didn't know I didn't know exactly what steps to take and sometimes I think we have these big ideas and we blow them up so big that getting started feels impossible and so it's like okay yeah I know how to buy a domain name I know how to set up a website but then what and it's just I never built that kind of business before like the phone unlocking wasn't I wasn't building a network it wasn't I wasn't doing any it wasn't the same thing so um so yeah, so I think it was yeah the not knowing and that lack of knowledge 
but then also that imposter syndrome of who am I to do this? Um, that just really kept me playing small for such a long time. Yeah. That's, I think, one of the hardest things, isn't it? Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, realizing your dreams. So what did you do then to create that kind of powerful mindset and keep your mind strong? Because you were talking as well, the things that you'd learned as a teenager at MindStore, was it, where they yeah. talk about like the shower and the glass jar? And did you start using, because I think one of the things I've observed with really highly successful people is that they're beliefs are different. That's the critical thing. And you picked up on that when you were looking at your uni mates, their beliefs seem to be different from yours. So how did you, at that point, when you made that decision of actually, I'm just going to really go for it, um, really sort of secure and almost create a fortress, I guess, around anything that would um, kind of knock you? Because there's so many knockbacks as well as an entrepreneur. That's the thing. How have you, what do you think are the tools that you might be able to share for people listening that have really helped you achieve those goals and keep that strong mindset? Because it's a, a constant sort of test, isn't it, in a way? Yeah. I mean, so I so in 2011, I ended up creating, going on this little mission. And it was really to try and see what would be possible if I conditioned myself for success. Because in the three years leading up to 2011, I'd had this idea that I was sat on and I kind of felt really lonely. I felt like I didn't know what my purpose was in life. I felt just, I felt really lost. And the more I felt like the, this and didn't work on it all, the more I spiraled into a place of real like negativity. I felt so low. At one point I just went traveling to Australia in the hope of having an epiphany and had no epiphany. And I came back and I was like, oh my gosh, I've come back and I've had no epiphany. Like now what the heck am I supposed to do? <laughs> and um, I realized like I was looking for a change to happen outside of myself when really I was the thing that needed to change. And so it kind of was going back to like the mindset piece and looking at what could I do to condition myself for success so I can change my life. And there were a few like big things. So Tony Robbins said, 10 years from now, you'll surely arrive. The question is where? And recognizing, I don't know where I'm going to arrive. Um, And like in the E-Myth Revisited, there's this little exercise by um, Michael Gerber. And he says, you know, imagine it's your funeral. What do you want people to be saying? Or what would people be saying about the kind of life you've lived and the kind of things you've achieved? And I think recognizing that I, like, this is my life and I can't continue like this. I cannot continue to go around in circles, dancing and teetering on the edge of my dreams and not having the courage to actually follow, follow my heart. Like I know I'm, I know I'm holding myself back and I just couldn't keep doing it. And so I was really looking at one, like, what do I actually want? What does my dream life look like? What does a dream business actually look like? What are my intentions here? Because without intention, what can you really do? Like you're just stuck in some weird, you're not living your life, are you? You're just drifting aimlessly because if you're not intentional, then you're just going wherever the wind blows you, which is fine if that's what makes you happy, but it wasn't making me happy. Um, And so um, also just looking at at like my, like what was going on internally, Um, you know, there's a saying around how our thoughts and the way we feel determine the decisions we make. 
the decisions we make determine the action we take and the action we take literally determines the outcome of so much of our lives and it all starts from within from these feelings and these thoughts that we have and I've I recognize that like I was stuck in the mantra I don't know I don't know I don't know I feel stuck I feel stuck I'm lost I feel really down and that was my mantra every day I was waking up and living in that space and in that energy and I realized I have to shift out of this because if I continue to stay stuck in this place nothing's ever going to change and so it was really looking at how can I change the way I feel and um uh and and you know even simple things like there's this NLP exercise that you can do where you essentially if you have like a a recurring thought that creates anxiety or stress or worry or something you basically take that thought every time it pops into your head and imagine you're screwing it up on a piece of paper and just throwing it behind you or um this other one where you basically when you start to have these thoughts you literally say stop even if you're doing it in your head you say stop to yourself and then you think of something else that feels better and at first when I started doing these things I was like god this is such a load of nonsense this is never going to work but I stuck at it and then I remember over a period of time like these negative thoughts and these worries and these doubts that would consume me starting to dissolve and um and just starting to look at like what action can I take in alignment with the dreams that I have set for myself um and and, and I think another big thing was really actually committing and going all in on my idea I danced around the edge of it and it made me feel so uh just really crap like to be honest and I realized that if I keep standing and dancing around the edge I'm going to continue to feel like this I have to have the courage to jump all in and so that's what I did and when I made that decision it was literally in an instant like a weight had lifted because I just had that clarity this is what I'm going to do this is what I'm going to focus on and I don't know the steps I don't know what to how I'm going to make it happen I just know that this is what my focus is going to be and I remember when I made that decision I got to my desk on that Monday and it just felt like a renewed sense of like life and energy and focus and it's just I don't know everything became so much easier because I'd gone all in and, and it's like the saying that like when you commit yourself like problems moves like things appear and transpire that you could never have foreseen and I, I felt like that really did happen once I committed to myself my dreams my ideas things started to happen and things began to move because I was finally ready to allow um I don't know, to allow it into my life and to allow myself to, to go to that place where I could be creative and follow my heart and which is bloody terrifying. Just going to briefly interrupt today's show to tell you about my favorite coffee and that is purity coffee. If you haven't tried this yet, you're definitely missing out. It makes you feel incredible. So switched on and alert. It is packed full of antioxidants. It's always organic and it is mold tested for so it contains zero mold ever. It is one of the purest pop uh, coffees on the planet and that's why it's called purity now you can get it here in the uk you can get it in the us as well in the uk you just need to head over to www.ketosupplements.co.uk and if you enter code angela at checkout you will get a cool 10 percent off it tastes incredible you're going to feel amazing after it and you'll also know that you're doing wonderful things for your body by giving it a very potent antioxidant boost so head over to ketosupplements.co.uk and enter code angela at checkout to get a cool 10 percent off your order 
And also, yeah. I suppose when you say you decided to commit all in, what did that um, commitment look like? Because th- th- this is the difference, isn't it, between the people that see results and probably the easiest way that anyone ever sees this online that you can visualize it is you'll see photographs on fitness websites, for example, of people who say this is the before and this is the after. That's the easiest way, isn't it? Whereas in business, it's much more difficult to really illustrate that example. And there'll be tons of people, for example, who've tried to lose weight and then they never achieve it. And yet you'll see these people that come out and they've got the body of their dreams. And some things happened, right? Because it had to happen. They had to become that future self before before it actually took place as an event. When you made that commitment of like, actually, do you know what? I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to create this business, which was amazing, really, because you're empowering other women to create the business and life of their dreams, which is what you've done. Um, how did you, what, how did that first commitment start? Did you write out a series of goals? Did it, did you kind of put pen to paper? Where did that commitment show if you like, or was it just through the energy and attention you were giving to the work? I just feel like I made this decision in a split second that I was going to commit. And it just, it was like, I had a light bulb moment. It was like something hit me all of a sudden. And it was just this realization that this is what I'm going to do. And it was, it was, it, it felt like I'd committed body and soul to this mission. And it was like, I'd said, I'm accepting this mission. I'm ready to walk on, on it. And I, when I came to do sit down and do the work, it just, I don't know. It was like, it was like I'd assigned some kind of agreement with the universe or something. And I just started to get on with it. And I can't, I know that sounds like a really frustrating answer because it's not very practical, but I, I just, backing out of it wasn't an option anymore. There was no way I was going to back out of it. I got myself to a place of such certainty, such commitment that I was just going to see it through no matter how hard it became, no matter how frustrating, no matter how overwhelming and confusing, I was just going to keep going like it was done. And I started telling people like, this is what I'm doing. And I told my family and I told my friends and I started networking and I started telling people. And I found that in the early days, telling people this is what I'm going to do gave me accountability to just keep going and keep doing it. And to hear people like cheer me on. And yes, sometimes people were like, what the heck are you doing? That's weird. But like most people would just cheer me on and think, oh, that's cool. That's nice. And um, I think doing that early on just like really helped me to build more confidence in myself. And I think also confidence comes from confidence and clarity come from taking action. So even in the early days of me just starting to tell people, this is what I'm going to do. This is what like my plans are. These are my ideas. Even though I didn't know how I was going to do it, it was like, it gave me more confidence in myself. It gave me more clarity because then it opened up conversations and it just, yeah, things began to grow and evolve. And so I think that commitment gave, was like, right, I'm taking, I've taken this leap. I'm going to start actually showing up for it. And so that I just started to show up and like the easiest way to show up was to just start talking about it. So, you know, on social media, like literally just putting it out there, this is what I'm doing. Um, And when you do that and you make that statement and you put something out there, it's crazy the little pathways that open up and the people that come into your life and the way those relationships evolve and develop to create other opportunities and and things that you just can't foresee. But 
Yeah, that but it's amazing, don't you think? Like working up to that point, you were saying like it took you three years. You didn't, you didn't do it initially, and you kind of like people have this with so many decisions they make. What, as soon as you made the decision, the weight lifted. But that inner resistance is so hard. Like people can battle that for so long. It's almost like we have, um, an a, you know, an unlimited amount of time. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And you keep saying, I'm going to do it, but then not actually getting around to it. And then at some point, I mean, some people never do it, right? But there is a click point. And obviously the people that listen to this podcast are high performers. So they know, but there's always resistance. It doesn't matter, right? There's always resistance, isn't there, in any goal you're trying to achieve. But then you just had that point at which it clicked and it was like, right, I'm all in. No matter how tough it gets, I will achieve this. Um, How do you, What like, what was the turning point? Why let go of it at that point? I know you said that you listened to Tony Robbins, but, or do you think it was just, this is now the time? One, I think it was just the time, but I feel like it's like you get to a point where you think you can't go on anymore. Like I'd had enough of myself. I'd had enough of my own crap. I had enough of feeling miserable, of not knowing. I had enough of feeling that I wasn't living the life I was meant to be living. And I think it's the realization of, like what you said, we don't have an limited amount of time and I want my life to be purposeful and intentional and successful. And I just, it was just stressing me out more the idea of it not being and not even trying and that really stressed me out more than the idea of like going for it um and I think that realization that I want this so badly um and that's then what helped me to just like get really laser focused about it and I don't know though it's such a hard one because everyone's journey is so different and I I really do think that we're all in the right place at the right time and everything we're experiencing is for us for some bigger reason and sometimes that's really hard to accept because you know there's sometimes things that happen you're like what the hell does this bloody mean and like this is just so so frustrating and unfair that this is happening but I just think look back at my struggles and I think that had I not gone through those three years of struggling then I don't know if I would be able to have coped necessarily as well with like the journey of FEA and because it it gave me it just I don't know it just taught me a lot about myself and um I don't know. I think that the challenges and the things that we go through are there to help us to learn how to grow as a person. And I mean, in my opinion, that is the ultimate purpose of life is to grow and to flourish as individuals. And um, that's what I love so much about the entrepreneurial journey or any personal development journey, because um, it forces you to really tune in with yourself, connect with yourself and get in the flow with yourself because that's how you manifest that's how you create what you want that's how you know you create the success um because it's all from an idea in your head isn't it it's not like you're working for an organization where actually there's like a lockstep system and you can get promoted as you go through yeah um everything is from basically from your head that you're turning into reality yeah um how have you managed your energy along the way? Because I think it always, like the energy of an entrepreneur is really comparable to that of a top athlete. Um, and you have to factor in recovery because otherwise you burn out quite quickly. Has that, have you ever had challenges on that front or have you been like, are there routines and things that you use that are quite disciplined around? It? I, I've just found that it's really 
difficult sometimes to, you could work all the time, right? It's always yeah. available, particularly with an online business. When So I'm just curious, like how you've ma- managed your energy. Um, so I feel like I could go a million, well, maybe I used to be able to go a million miles an hour and just work all hours of the day. And I never, ever seemed to reach a point of burnout. There would definitely be phases where I've, I felt like I lost my motivation, especially when you're creating content. There'd definitely be phases where I just couldn't be bothered to create content and I'd have like off weeks and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I've never felt like, I've never, I've never felt like burnt out. I felt creatively drained a hundred percent. I think, I think it's tuning in with myself before it, would reach a point like when I start to feel creatively drained I'm like okay and then look at like what what is going on here like what needs to change um I'm willing to give myself a break if I know I need a break and take a take a holiday um I but I I also feel like I know that that if I'm feeling stressed that I am make it's because I'm making myself like feel stressed. So it's like looking at like what is stressing me out? Like why am I feeling this way? And so I feel I think having awareness of that and allowing myself to feel the feelings but understand how do I move out of it? So for example, like one of the things that Abraham Esther Hicks says in like Ask and It's Given, it's like you look at your the emotions from like say anger, fear, depression all the way to happiness, joy, love. And it's like, if you can just identify like where you're at and then you can look at like, how could I just feel like the next level of emotion and the next level of emotion. And so for me, it's just kind of like been looking at how am I, what is my emotional state? And um, there are times when I feel like I maybe don't listen to it and then it goes on and on and on and on and on. And I'm like, okay, I need to just stop right now because I'm so overwhelmed (laughs) and I feel like... um, like not the brink of a burnout but just not it's just too much I just I'm not in it it just doesn't work it doesn't feel good um and so then I'll like address and look at and so I might do journaling or like an intuitive writing exercise or like meditate again like start really meditating um or like just realize I need to get out and do more walks and be in nature more um I need to just actually go and just take a break and go and watch some movies or something or go on an actual holiday and just try and switch off as much as I can. Um, I found that since having kids, um, energetically, um, well, I don't know, actually, I think the biggest thing is actually just a sense of detachment from, (laughs) uh, like the purpose of the business. Like, obviously I still love the business and what it's about, but I've have felt because, the business is about sharing like things around business and inspiring people. But then some days I'm like, I just want to be a mom. I don't want to post an inspirational Mm. quote because I'm not feeling this inspirational quote because I couldn't really care less about this blooming inspirational quote right now. So, and for me being authentic is so important. So I've really struggled like energetically from that perspective of like figuring out who am I now and like, what is it that I actually want to say? And I found having kids has really thrown me a curveball in the sense, (laughs) just knocked me off track and, and not really known like, like even energetically, where am I at? And like, who am I supposed to be? And like, what is it that I am here to say and do right now? And confusion around that, but that's, I guess, slightly different to the burnout energy. But um, 
can leave you feeling very drained though Um, definitely definitely I think and I think it is as you say it's really hard because they've added they add a whole new dynamic don't they children that you're um it's just a complete shift in focus yeah I think that and and their demands of you are very different to what you can bring but they also are quite they they require a lot of energy from you right and yeah. so sometimes that one of the things you mentioned there in terms of like creativity, I find nature walks are probably the single best thing for me whenever I need to get creative is to yeah. just go and walk in the forest or in the countryside. And that just gets the juices flowing. But I also find it the most relaxing thing. And, you know, they say you only need to look. I think there have been scientific studies done where even if you just look out of your window at a tree, it's been shown to relax you and to calm you. And they yeah. just have this sort of intelligence and energy um and do you now with the children are you like um are you do you have quite disciplined routines because it's difficult as well with very young children even to get enough sleep how do you kind of (laughs) (laughs) um disciplined routines absolutely not like so marley is seven months and so um there is not really a routine and um my son casey who's two is like the worst sleeper ever (laughs) so like literally like every night Marley ends up under one armpit and Casey ends up under the other armpit and um and then he wakes up at some ungodly hour and then I'm like oh gosh so and then annoyingly like we go to bed really late I'm like why like midnight why are we doing this at midnight when we know we're going to get up so early but we just can't help ourselves um so yes from that perspective it's um a little bit crazy um what you said something you asked me a question and I went off on a tangent about sleep um what would are you say yeah it was more around your routines because that was oh, the yeah, biggest routine. thing I found is I used yeah. to have routines that I really lo- relied on so they were like you know I would wake up in the morning I would exercise that just really got my mindset sorted for the day and then all of a sudden as you say you've got this curveball because now the kids are waking you up during the night yeah. or <laughs> you you might have been up at like 4 a.m so the prospect of a 6 30 a.m workout now just looks absolutely yeah. horrendous and I just wonder how you juggle that um, so... whole thing yeah so I know so basically now Marley's seven months I like take my first business call the day will be at like 9 30 and I'll I'll do like maybe a call or two in the morning and then Casey will have lunch and then we'll go to nursery for one and then in the afternoons I've got between like one and say five ish to then work um so and that's on like Monday to Thursday and then Friday he's not in nursery so I try and like take Fridays off um and sometimes I work in the evenings when he's asleep but um it's just kind of like changes depending on like what's actually going on um and um I think for me a big shift has been actually looking at how can I actually just feel accomplished rather than having a routine because sometimes you just have to just fit it in where you can so for example recently um I want I realized that if I did like a live workshop once a week that would help me to feel accomplished right now in this moment in where I'm at because I want to feel more connected to my audience I want to hear from them where they're at what their struggles are you know what their objections are all that stuff I want to hear it I want to be and if I could do like that a workshop a week and I was bringing in new customers from that um, and I was learning and developing and tweaking and refining my skill set, that would be a great use of my time. And if that was the only thing that I could do in a week, then that would be very productive and it would help me to feel accomplished. So 
it's just been identifying like what actually does help me to feel accomplished and how can I just focus on doing those simple things throughout the week as I get chance rather than like being like I have to do this on this day like obviously yes there's stuff in my calendar that is happening on certain like days and times but um I think really shifting into like okay like how do I feel accomplished rather than how do I get all this stuff done has Mm -hmm. been an impactful shift yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because then your perception around time uh, changes quite significantly as well when you do that. Um, I think that we all spend so much time being busy, doing things that we really don't need to be doing, stuff that isn't actually getting us a result. And we're just doing it because we feel like we have to be doing it. But then when you look at it, you think, okay, is this actually making a difference? Is this actually getting a result? Is it even building momentum? No. So why the hell am I still doing it? But it's like, we do it because we feel like we should be doing it or someone told us that we need to be doing it or like, you know, and so it's just like, we put so much pressure on ourselves to do all of the things when actually if we take a step back and look at what would actually get me a result this week, this would, okay, let me just do this one thing, but we just don't approach it like that. And I think it's a game changer when you actually start to look at that and identify what you've got on your plate and what you can actually get off your plate and what the stuff is that's actually going to get you a result and build momentum. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I was speaking to a lot of people, for example, who tried um, the miracle morning routine okay. and they're like, oh, I tried it and I got up and then I can do it for two weeks and then I'm so exhausted <laughs> and I can't do it anymore <laughs> and I can't fit in the like, I think they have like a six minute thing or something where if you don't have time, you can do six, you know, one minute of jumping jacks and one minute of meditation <laughs> and one minute and people are like, I can't and I feel like I should be doing this for my health. And, and then it's like, yeah, but you should also be sleeping for your health. So like yeah. if you're having to get up just to, to fit that extra stuff in and I agree I think sometimes we're always so busy trying to fit the next thing and the next thing and the next thing in because we think that that is either going to really optimize our health or optimize what we're doing or optimize our performance in our businesses um, that we can kind of get carried away and slightly obsessed with how many things we have to do but they don't necessarily move the needle that far in terms of results yeah Um, absolutely And you talked a moment ago about imposter syndrome. Now, a lot of people feel that. So initially you felt that. Did you find that that fell away? Like I used to have that, funnily enough, as um, a young lawyer. I was like, oh, no one's going to take me seriously. I'm just too young. I was like, I just need to get older so I can walk into a meeting with all these kind of, you know, CEOs and basically advise them. And I think women in particular really suffer from imposter syndrome. What did you find, like, you talked a little bit about NLP techniques and stuff. How did that fall away for you? Because that's part of managing your mindset, isn't it? Is actually letting that and feeling that you are good enough. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, it's all over social media all the time, isn't it? I am enough, you know, Marissa Peer's kind of um, movement, if you like. I know a lot of people identify with that feeling of not feeling enough. How did you sort of clear that block, um, if you like? Um, well, I don't know if I have. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it'll ever go away because I mean, even now when I'm trying to create something or do something I've never done before, this feeling creeps up of like, am I good enough? Like, can I do this? Will it, will it be good enough? And, um, it can be really terrifying, but I think for me, um, because growing up when I was really in junior school, they basically said that I had learning difficulties and that essentially just didn't want me in the school. So I got I didn't really fully know what happened. I got kicked out. I got moved out of the school and went to a different school. And then um, the school that my sister and brothers went to 
the, you had to sit an entrance exam to get in and I failed so then I had to go to a school by myself like that was much further away and so it left me feeling like I wasn't good enough but then when I started to learn to play the clarinet and I started to get better at the clarinet I never told anyone at school and I remember this one time there was a music competition and so I asked my piano teacher who wasn't at the school to come up come to the school and accompany me and I would play the clarinet and so I played and literally like I know it's a clarinet, but like the teachers in the school were literally blown away that I could play the clarinet so well. And it made me think, ha, you think that I'm nothing, but I know I'm something. And so for me, it's always been this quiet, this quiet knowledge that you can underestimate me all you want, but I know that. Like I like to just, I don't know. It's like, I want to wow people and I want to have an inner strength of myself that like I'm showing up I am here to do amazing things and um I I I don't know and that's just really has helped me to like get into this uh to I suppose shift things um in a way I mean out of my imposter syndrome um I think I don't know. It's like imposter syndrome is such a weird one. Do you think just doing it sometimes helps? Do you know what I mean? Like it, or a bit like you were saying, like, because almost like with it, motivation as well, like motivation comes from action, whereas everyone thinks, oh, I'll take action when I feel motivated. But actually it's the action itself that yeah. makes you feel more motivated. Yeah. And I think in a way it's finding little things about you and yourself that you actually can love enough to feel worthy enough to do it. I think sometimes we have such little respect and love for ourselves. And I think if we can find a place within us where we can be like, where we can start to feel that more, that care for ourselves. Like, so sometimes, you know, when you do those exercises, when you think about your seven-year-old self and like you think about her and you want her you want to help her and you like kind of the idea of giving her a hug and supporting her and realizing that is you um I remember there's a quote or this part of something that I put in my book and it was like if children talk to themselves the way adults do for like not being able to walk they'd be like can you imagine them going around being like oh I screwed up I fell over I you know I can't walk and just giving up and sitting there like no a, a child just keeps going just keeps going just keeps going I think we talk to ourselves so badly um which is obviously where the imposter syndrome comes from mm-hmm. and it's like we have these lies that we build up over the course of our lives that often get embedded in childhood about ourselves um I was literally going through some stuff today um, from a live session that I was doing and people saying things like um uh, like um stop tooting your own horn or who do you think you are um and um you're not you know you're not you're not going to be good enough for this um you can't be in this class like all these thoughts and ideas that get embedded in us from such a young age um and I think that it's just um wow we have to find a way back to ourselves we have to find a way back to um we all we have to get rid of the false beliefs that we're telling ourselves and actually have respect 
and love for ourselves, which is really hard to do. But I think it's just something you really have to take seriously and really have to do the work on that comes back to that inner work so that you can move out of your own way, get over your imposter syndrome and, you know, recognize that this is your life and you only have one life and this isn't a blooming dress rehearsal. This is it. So you either do it or you sit there worrying. In Jay Shetty's book, he says, um, uh, we're so often worried about what other people think of us, but we don't realize that they're not even paying attention to us. Like, so we are worried about what they, what we think they think of us, not what they actually think of us. Mm. You know, when I'm like, when I read that, I was like, so bloody true. We're afraid of what we think people think, not what they actually think. We're literally making it all up in our heads. (laughs) And And how can we even know what what we think? We think they think that, but they may not even. And normally they're obsessed with their own life, right? And what you think of them as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, um, when you, um, Jim Rohn, he's pretty famous, isn't he, for saying that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. You were saying that you felt quite lonely in the early days as an entrepreneur. When you kind of decided to do it, obviously you were going to create your own community of female entrepreneurs. So that actually would have put you around other people who wanted to manifest success. But did you then, to, to do that, did you start to hang out with different people? Did you um, enlist a coach? What did you do? Or did you just kind of find your own way and just read things? How did you do that? So I went on LinkedIn and I started to connect with people on LinkedIn. And I just found spaces that were, where because Facebook groups weren't a thing then, Um I just found like I started connecting with like-minded people. I started to go to in-person networking events, which my God, I hated sometimes. I found some groups that were actually really lovely and like connecting with those people. And um, when opportunities came up, I literally said yes. And I would say yes to coming along to all these events. And sometimes I would not know what the heck I was going to. And sometimes I would get there and be like, what the hell is this? (laughs) But then other times it would be amazing. And I remember I was up and down on the train from Manchester to London so often to go to events in London because I was saying, yes, I'll come. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll get involved. And um, that just opened up the doors to things. So through that, I remember somebody asked me to be a judge on this panel. And I was like, well, they're asking me to be a judge. Like, what? And then I met someone else who was on the judging panel. And then he nominated me for an award. And then I won that award. And then I met Lord Bill Amoria. And then he became part of my advisory board. And I met all these other really successful entrepreneurs. And then they became part of the advisory board. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, I'm surrounded by these people that are incredibly successful entrepreneurs giving up their time for free to give me advice and to help me. And it just, um, it just all started from saying yes and putting myself out there and networking and connecting. That's really, um, was a huge part of it all. Um, and that was your advisory board for your business. Yeah. And they were, yeah, they just formed an advisory board and, um, just would help me out. And, um, uh, uh which was, amazing um but yeah just getting myself out there and connecting yeah and now you've helped so many I mean hundreds of thousands of female entrepreneurs launch their successful businesses um, across the world yeah which is pretty amazing amazing um before you go then what would be your top three things for anybody who's really trying to manifest a dream that they have into reality right now it could be people may have a health goal they may have a wealth goal it may even be a relationship goal what would be your top three things that you would say to them um, that they need to do to really turn that dream into a reality 
I think the first thing is like actually sitting down and getting really intentional about what it is that you want. And um, it doesn't mean you have to know all the moving pieces. It's just what is the vision and do you know what that vision is? Because I think when you can light a fire under yourself around a vision, it literally gets you going. But I think without that clarity, it's easy to just stay stuck in no man's land. So really getting intentional about what is what is the goal um, and then taking time to like work on yourself, looking at, okay, this is what I want, but what's stopping me? So a like really powerful exercise is um, if imagining that you're 12 months from now and you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve and ask yourself, why didn't I achieve it? Um, what, why, what, who have I been being to have not achieved what I wanted? So you might know, okay, if I get 12 months down the line and I haven't reached my goal, it's because I've been procrastinating. I've been doing this, I've been doing this, I've been doing this. And then doing the same exercise and imagining you get 12 months down the line and you actually have achieved what you want and writing out what it would take for you to actually do it. So who do you have to become to achieve it? Like if you're 12 months down the line, who have you become to make that happen? So I actually um, took action. I went and did, you know, so what would that look like? So I think really tuning into that and like looking at, you know, who do you need to be? Um, there's a great video I watched of Jim Cathcart where he basically gave, they gave this question of who, um, how would the person I'd like to be do the things I'm about to do? So if you want to be a successful business owner, um, how would a successful business owner make the decisions or make do the things you're about to do? Um, what would that look like? How would you act? How would you be? And it's not about being um, someone you're not. It's about looking at the, your, the future version of you what does she look like? Who is she? How is she like? How does she feel? And like, how can you step into her now and start embodying her now? So like really like looking at that. Um, And I think the final thing is literally just taking the next tiny little step you can take. So like, don't making it so humongous that it's impossible to get started. How can you make it so unbelievably simple that getting started in the next hour is doable? Like what is one simple fearless action step that you can take in the next 10 minutes that will actually get you momentum like going um like don't put it off like I think so many people like even listening to a podcast episode and they're like oh that was really great and really inspiring and then the next day the inspiration's worn off and then nothing happens so it's like take action now like don't sit on this like literally go and do something now so yeah those are my three things (laughs) Those are amazing and they're so true. I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed from the people that yourself that I've interviewed that are really successful is that they don't just read stuff. They take action on it. Like they don't, it's almost like I might read less books because I'm actually going to take action on what I've read rather than, oh, you've read another one and another one, another one, but actually nothing changes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So thank you so much, Carrie. That was amazing. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, Where is the best place for people to find you? I know you're literally everywhere, but let's link to it now and in the show notes. Um, Instagram, my personal Instagram is at I am Carrie Green and the business one is at Female Entrepreneur Association. I think those are probably the two best places. Amazing. I will link to that in the show notes and also to your book. Um, So thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you got some really helpful mindset strategies from this episode. As always, you can get all of the show notes over on my website, angelafosterperformance.com forward slash podcast. You can listen to it there with transcript and you can also watch the video of the episode. Um, 
Thank you so much for listening. I am so inspired by everything that you share with me. I've had such wonderful feedback on the podcast recently and I would be so grateful if you are able to leave it a review. It just really helps us get the message out to a wider audience and it makes a huge difference for me to hear from you and how much you're enjoying the episode. And also feel free to DM me over on Instagram at Angela S. Foster with any suggestions of content you'd like to hear from me or from other guests on the show. Wishing you a wonderful week and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources, and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body, and lifestyle.